0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of behindthesteelcurtain.com, with you for another episode of the Homer and the Hater show. I am Jeff, the Homer, and this guy to my side if you're watching live on YouTube is Lance. He's the Hater. What's up, Lance? How you doing?
1: Doing excellent. I'm doing excellent.
0: Wow, short and sweet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no hat today for Lance I'm wearing a hat, what the heck's going on We're all sorts of all, all over the
1: place Um, You know I have to be proud of what my hair looks like <laughs> Currently I'm just going to embrace it
0: oh, As a guy Good that cuts his own is. hair As a guy that cuts his own hair like I've, I'm fortunate in that regard During this uh, global situation hair. That we find ourselves in no, Well, hair. that's why I cut it so short <laughs>
1: You have wings, my friend you <laughs> have taken flight.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I want to give a big shout out real quick before we get started to uh, Tony Defeo. Uh, Tony had his first show, his first solo show yesterday, Saturday uh, Steelers brunch with Tony. That, that was what he wanted to call his show. He was going to think of some topics, maybe some articles that he was planning on for the upcoming week as talking points. And I thought he did a really good job with his first show. Look, getting on the air live, getting on the air by yourself is not easy. And I thought he did a really good job. You could definitely tell he settled in in the second half of the show. And being a part of this YouTube channel helps tremendously. You can use the live chat to bounce ideas off of people. You can get responses and things like that. And Lance, you do a weekly solo show. You can speak to that as well. I mean, I thought he did a good job. I just want to give a shout out to him.
1: Yeah, it does take some time speaking into an empty room by yourself like it's just kind of weird but i think you know after after some time um you, you get used to it also it takes a bit of like hubris you know it takes a little <laughs> bit of ego too i mean because you're just like look people want to want to hear what i want to say and you it, it just takes a little and you gotta kind of stick your chest out with it too i mean so yeah, it takes a little bit of time Um, You know, it's just kind of but it is kind of weird. It's like I'm just talking in this room and nobody is really listening, but everybody is really listening. So it takes some time. I thought you did a fantastic job and and, and he will develop more of a rhythm um, as he does it.
0: And a shout out to all of our podcasters, not just Tony, but the Lance who does work on Fridays by himself. We'll talk about that show next, Um, but also to Brian Anthony Davis, Dave Schofield, Big Bro Rich, all the people that are on our platform, big shout out to them. They do a lot of hard work behind the scenes that really goes unnoticed. So I just want to give a shout out to them. But Lance, on Friday, you did your, yeah, I said it, and it was all about one Andy Dalton. Now we got to talk about this on Thursday in the Steelers preview. You were in the live chat, stirring it up. Like you do Absolutely. is better than maybe anyone. And uh <laughs> so it's one of those situations where um Andy Dalton is no longer on the market. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys for what seven million, three million guaranteed? That's a hefty price tag for a backup. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you heard that? I know you said you sent a text saying good deal. I was
1: like, eh, I think I'm- it's I think it's a good move. I, I think, I mean, given the fact that the quarterback position is the most important position in the football team. If you can solidify that room and minimize the drop off between your starter and your backup to essentially keep your season afloat, I mean, I think it's a really good move. I mean, their quarterback room is really good now, and I think even just from a and you know from a coaching standpoint, from a practice situation, I mean, Andy Dalton is going to push Dak Prescott to be better. And because, you know, Andy Dalton has been a starter, whether you think about it, whatever you think about him, Andy Dalton has been a starter for a while. He's played a lot of football games. And also from a cerebral standpoint, he brings certain ideas, how he sees coverages, how we, how he would attack a coverage. And he brings that level of respect to the room because he's been in the, he's been in the fight. He, he's he been with around with the bullets flying. And although they haven't been highly successful, you know, the Bungles haven't been with Dalton. I think they went to a playoff game or two but never won a playoff game, correct? With Dalton. They
0: haven't won a playoff game since, like, 1990. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, but he does bring some respect of that. He makes their quarterback room better. I mean, if, if Dak Prescott sustains, like, an eight-game injury, I mean, they can float. I mean, they can float, and that's what it's all about. You have to preserve these seasons and these opportunities to try to win championships because they don't come often. So I, I thought it was a solid move for them.
0: I think that um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are saying that what are the, are the Cowboys going to rescind uh, Dak Prescott's franchise tag, and that would be a big risk. the The premise behind that is they rescind it, they're off of that thirty one million dollar hook, and they might be able to try to negotiate a contract that would be lesser because right now there's not so much a demand for quarterbacks because the market's pretty much set. Um, Most Anyone that's still in the market isn't going to be viewed as a starter, most likely. And that includes Cam Newton because of his health. We just don't know what his health is. But uh, that would be a gamble if the the Cowboys did that. And, And that's neither here nor there. But you know who I think Andy Dalton reminds me of the most? And it just happens to be that they're going from one place to the other, and it's exactly mirrored. He reminds me of a glorified John Kitna. That's exactly who he reminds me of. He does not do, in my opinion, anything superb. There is nothing about him that is even close to elite. And so it just so happens that Kitna was with the Bengals and then Kitna went to Dallas, and it seems like that's the same. I don't see Andy Dalton as being anything special. Jameis Winston was different. Jameis Winston had, he has, in my opinion, he has the moxie that you want in a quarterback. He's got the confidence, Andy Dalton even doesn't even have that, in my opinion. He just, I don't know. He's been banged up the last few years. I'd think that if anything, that the the Saints are probably sitting there thinking, man, we got a heck of a deal for Jameis Winston, and ah, the Cowboys giving him three million guaranteed for a year that he might not do much. I, I don't know. It's
1: interesting. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, the the Jameis Winston deal is, you know, that that's the best deal probably in the National Football League. To be quite honest, I mean, you get a former number one draft pick, and he's knocked, and he should be knocked for throwing 30 interceptions, but man, he threw 33 touchdown passes and over 5,000 yards as well. You're talking about getting a former number one draft pick and a Heisman Trophy winner for a million bucks? I mean, that's the best deal in football, and you see what happened with the Saints. Drew Brees gets hurt. Drew Brees is over 40, and... He's a absolutely a great insurance policy uh, for your season, for a million bucks. And, and that, that was the point I was making on Friday. It's how valuable is it to your organization and to the Steelers to keep their season afloat if their franchise quarterback isn't the guy that he was, Or gets hurt. I mean, there's a lot of questions around that. I know there's a lot of positive thoughts around his recovery and so on and so forth. But there's, there's significantly large questions. And just how valuable is it to the organization to keep his few remaining seasons afloat? Because I think we all can agree. And the point I was trying to make with Mason Rudolph is just no matter what side you tip on Mason Rudolph, there isn't enough information to make a conclusion either way so that level of uncertainty is really hard to manage so you you err on the side of caution and you try to buy insurance i mean that's what health insurance is i mean we hope we're not going to get sick but we buy insurance in the event that we do get sick or our children get sick so that i mean that's what it is so hopefully for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, bionic big B got that arm not to hand
0: off. Yeah, that's right. And, and and you put it perfectly and it's going to be a good segue into our headline uh topic for this show is insurance. It is just like insurance. Um a good friend of mine is he's our insurance agent for State Farm insurance and <laughs> He no. has a big, yes, he has he a big sign. A, really? State Farm, that's awesome, yep. Jeff. C. State Farm is a good neighbor. State Farm Absolutely. is awesome. He has a big sign in his office when you walk in that says, GoFundMe is not life insurance. And it's true because he says, you when you see an obituary <laughs> that it says, in lieu of flowers, they have a GoFundMe page. He immediately says, they didn't have life insurance. No one hopes that they have to utilize life insurance. Right. But if you do... Boy, are you glad that you had it. Yes, you and that's are. kind of like the backup quarterback situation in the National Football League. And it comes down to that. And so no one no one in their right mind, in, in my opinion, is hoping that Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. Um, because if that happens, then the season is in immediate jeopardy, dire straits. But ultimately, if you have that insurance policy, which I think we would all agree that it could be better. my My big thing was always... Can you maximize your backup quarterback position without having to really put more stress on the salary cap and spend money that could be spent elsewhere? I still think the Steelers are going to address inside linebacker somehow, some way. Is it going to be in bringing back Mark Barron? I don't know. I'm going to say no. I'm going to I'm going to put I'm going to hedge my bet towards no. But at the same time, they need to have that money available in case they do want to do that. So for me, it's an insurance policy. And so let's segue into. The next topic, which is the headline topic of this podcast, which is 2020 NFL draft has come and gone. The second round draft pick, the top pick for the Steelers was wide receiver Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. We all know that. We're learning more about this young man every single day. And it's important to ask the question, Lance, you posed this to me via text messages. Was Chase Claypool drafted as Juju Smith-Schuster's replacement? Eventual replacement. We'll put that word in there, too. Because we know that Juju's contract expires after the 2020 season. Lance, what does your gut tell you? This isn't about analytics. It's not about looking at numbers just yet. What does your gut tell you about this situation?
1: My gut says yes. My gut says that he is the replacement. But they hope he isn't the replacement. And that's where the nuance is. Where I think they drafted him to hedge their bet. So they would not be in a position if Juju Smith Schuster does not want to come back or they can't reach a contract agreement with Juju that the cupboard is bare. And so it goes back to the first point it's insurance. You hopefully don't have to use it, but if you do, it's there. And I think it's a great move because if you don't and you have Juju and Claypool, then you're just that much better. But if you lose Juju and you have Claypool, you're still that much better. So I think he is the replacement if indeed Juju Smith-Schuster does not come back. So I think they absolutely did it with that thought. And I'll even double down on that and say that's probably why they got Deontay Johnson and Claypool in the last two seasons. to make sure that that cupboard cupboard is not bare. I mean, anytime you're drafting and using high assets on a position and a guy is still there, I mean, the signal, I mean, it's a shot across the bow. I mean, hopefully it doesn't hit the bow and sink the ship, but the message is there. They're trying to improve that position, and in the case that you are not gone, if you are gone, (laughs) the replacements are there. So I think it's yes with the hope that Juju still is a Steeler,
0: I agree with everything you said in terms of, I was going to say the same thing about the insurance policy. That's kind of what tied these two um, talking points together. Let me ask you this though, because it's, it's the one player that comes to mind. So as you're looking at the future, you're looking after 2020, who's going to be up for a new contract. Now the Steelers this week did announce that they picked up TJ Watts, fifth year option. That was a surprise to absolutely no one with a brain, and so that's he's locked in through the 2021 season. Okay, period. So we know that Ben Roethlisberger's contract, what is it? Is it 40 million next year? It's like 41. It's it's above Yikes. 40. It's north. Of it's 40. a lot. It's a lot. The one player that keeps sticking in my head in regards to who will decipher the future of Juju Smith Schuster is not Ben Roethlisberger it's not James Connor. It is Bud Dupree. Okay. Because Bud Dupree, we know his cap hit this year is going to be 16 plus and some change million dollars as a franchise tag player. Um, and he did sign his tender by the way. So he's locked in. They can't rescind his tag with that said, if they view Bud Dupree as a one year rental player, I think, and they let him go after 2020. I think they can sign Juju Smith schuster because if you think about that space, then going that 16 million is now gone, it's off the books. You're not moving it from 16 to say seven because you signed him for a long term deal. And I don't care what Kevin Colbert says in this regard. He's said all along that our goal has been to keep a Dupree and to have him be there for life. And he's, I get it. I don't believe it. Period. I think that if they let him go, that they will have the space to sign Juju Smith-Schuster because they can they can sign Juju to a three year deal and that one that first year hit could be really low. They've done yeah. it before. They they can do it again. You agree with that sentiment that it's more about Dupree than anyone else.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other thing that they can do with Dupree to minimize that cap hit is to sign him to a long-term contract this year. Because when you look at the Steelers' salary cap, according over to cap.com, Dupree's cap hit is 15.8. Ben Roethlisberger is at 23.75. So those are the two most expensive players. And you were talking about Ben Roethlisberger and his cap number. So if if the Steelers were to cut Ben Roethlisberger this year, I mean, it's almost comical. His dead money charge would be forty four point five million dollars. Oh
0: my god! <laughs> I, mean, that,
1: I mean, that. I mean, that is like wow. Is absolutely comical. And to that, his cap charge next year, which is his last year under his deal, is forty one point two five million dollars. So. You know, it, it, it's going to be interesting how they prioritize things. But the one thing you also have to take into account when you're talking about cap and you're talking about how to allocate it is performance is a large part of this. So if Bud Dupree goes out next year and gets 19 sacks, he'll be back. Yeah. You know, if Juju Smith-Schuster goes out, with, with the return of Ben Roethlisberger and Ben Roethlisberger's healthy and Juju goes out and gets 115 catches and 1,400 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns, Juju will be back. So you always balance it by performance. I mean, I don't want to guarantee anything, but I will guarantee if Juju puts up numbers that I described, the effort to bring him back will be genuine and they will do everything and move every rock and I don't know that analogy. What's the Ooh. analogy? Move, land, and...
0: Leave no stone unturned, might be it.
1: Okay. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm terrible <laughs> with cliches. They'll do what Jeff just said to keep Juju Smith-Schuster Steeler. Now, the other thing we always forget, it takes two, it takes two to tango. If you want to do the Mamba, you got to have a partner. And so both partners have to want to be there, and it has to make sense.
0: Well, let me ask. Let's, let's do a little role play here. Okay. You are Art Rooney the second and slash Kevin Colbert slash Mike Tomlin and actually let's switch that you are yeah yeah let's say you're Juju Smith Schuster's uh, agent there we go I will play the role of Art Rooney so Rooney and Colbert they approach you and say look we really like Juju and we want to keep him with the Steelers for a second contract. And we would like to give him an extension prior to the 2020 season. And we want to give you X amount of dollars. It's not the highest paid wide receiver contract, but we think it is good and fair compensation to your client, Juju Smith Schuster. That'll keep him in Pittsburgh for the next three years. It'll be an extension. So it'll be after this year, it'll kick in. So he'll be here for four more seasons counting the 2020 season. How do you respond if you're his agent?
1: Well, I, I tell Mr. Rooney, Mr. Rooney Hartman. Yes. I am I just took a look at over to cap.com and I went to the wide receiver position and I'm looking at average salaries or total value of contracts, not average salary, but the average of the contract. And, you know, I'm looking at Julio Jones. He's at 22. Amari Cooper's at 20. Michael Thomas is at 19.2. A.J. Green is at 18.1. Tyreek Hills at 18. Odell Beckham is at 18. Uh, I want to be in that area. I want to be north of 16.5, which is Mike Evans.
0: Oh my gosh. Do you, I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, t- <laughs> maybe 2019 has skewed my view of Juju Smith Schuster just a little bit. And he was hurt. And so I don't want to be too tough on him in that, in that situation. But, man, do you put him up with those receivers, Lance, that you just named? Well, as his agent. Um, no, it, this it, is Lance the hater. Kind okay, of Lance, the now. Agent. okay.
1: I was going to be as his agent. Okay, I was keeping in the agent. Like, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters right, right, what right, you right. think. <laughs> and then I'll tell you if I agree. Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, A.J. Green, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham Jr. Mike Evans Brandon Cooks DeAndre Hopkins Adam Thielen
0: okay, Jarvis
1: Lent. Okay.
0: This is this is now we're entering Juju territory, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so you're saying Juju is between like DeAndre the- Hopkins is 16-2. So you're saying the sweet spot is in there? I think yeah, we- yeah. Because at 14 million, you're talking about Allen Robinson and, and T.Y. Hilton range. You're not going to save a. T- I mean, the average. I mean, how you structure the contract in terms of how the
0: salary cap hit works out. Saying no. I'm betting on my client. I'm going to. Juju should want to bet on himself because right now his stock has never been lower. But if he has a good year, like you mentioned, he can demand in a year to put me in that upper echelon of wide receivers. And so that's, that's where, you know, in theory, it makes sense for the Steelers to try and make a deal now, but from a financial standpoint for the client, i.e., Juju Smith-Schuster, it's it's not a smart move. You want to say, "I want to wait," but to bring this full circle, I think that we both be is an insurance policy. If yes. they lose Juju after this year, they're they're not going to be decimated at the wider. So the situation where let's say you were stuck with a lot less in the cupboard put it that way. You're also putting yourself out there. If you get banged up again, mm-hmm. if you all of a sudden you're hurt, you don't produce. So yes, you could elevate. If that happens, they don't want to see that happen, especially if it's an injury plague thing. They want their players to be healthy. They want their one in on the live chat that said Juju is in the range of 11 and twins around that range.
1: And it's weird here. When you look at the average sat 11 million mark in terms of average, Larry Fitzgerald, Keenan Allen, and Terrell Williams. I'll give you one or two names below that. Tyler Boyd, and I'll guarantee you, if you approach Juju with a 10.75 per average deal like Tyler Boyd and Robbie Anderson at $10 million, Juju's going to get paid more than all
0: those players. So I don't think, I don't think. I would say 14. 14 is his range, in my opinion. 14 to 15. 14 I 15. I agree. And, and the Steelers have to weigh keeping, you know, Deontay
1: Johnson, Juju, Washington, Claypool. If that unit works well, there is a price to keeping it together. And again, you got Bionic Big B, last two years, and the Steelers are in full go mode, trying to get that seventh championship. And I think that will weigh in Juju's favor. When it comes to a contract, bring in some new dude. I don't want to rock with these three young dudes, so we can go out and try to get this with a bang. I get my seventh. I mean, we can get my set. I can seven. Can you imagine the marketing seven for seven? Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> yeah, yeah. gets the seventh championship in his last year. He can't write that script better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's change it up a little bit. 39 Ball and Cookie gives us five dollars in the tip jar. We appreciate that. He said, Would you say? the Steelers' last two off-seasons were secretly geared towards bolstering the special teams units. And how do you think they've done in that department? Well, I, I know that something that is a common thread between Lance and myself throughout the last few seasons we've done the post-game show has been the teams has been. It's been bad. It, it was bad in 2018 every kick. it was. It's always bad with Jordan Berry punting the football uh, coverage units. I, I don't know if it, if their drafts have been geared towards it, I think that them drafting players that have proven to be commodities on special teams is an added bonus to the player if that makes sense. I don't think that they're that they're drafting, you know, Alex Highsmith in the 3rd round as an edge rusher and saying, "Well, if he doesn't pan out, he's going to be a good special teams guy." No, they're saying that he is a really could have a potential to be a really good edge rusher. He could be a backup in that scenario, and he's also a very capable player on special teams. Same with Chase Claypool, who we just talked about. He's a big-bodied, fast, wide receiver who can really be that missing piece of the puzzle offensively. He also likes to play special teams. He registered a bunch of tackles at Notre Dame on special teams. I think that that is like just another feather in the cap for a prospect. you agree or disagree, Lance?
1: Yeah, I agree. I kind of agree and disagree. This is I'll say this, if you're if they draft you as a defensive player, let's say prior to the 4th round, you're a first, second or third round pick and your contribution ends up being special teams that wasn't their intent. Yeah. Their you know, their intent was for you to have a significant impact in the starting 11 or sub package football. You know, you know, special teams contribution is sort of like when you go to a restaurant, you know, you've been eating number five for years. They run out of it and you have to order number seven and number seven is really good. And you're like, wow, I found something else that I'd like to eat at this restaurant. Yeah. Number seven is what you get. Special teams player. If you're a top draft pick, if you're a lower round draft pick, let's say fifth to seven. I'll put fourth kind of as that Mendoza line. If you become a Tyler Manikiewicz and you're a low draft pick and you become a special teams ace and you can get contributions there, they're solid with that. But I don't think they're drafting a Tyler Manikavich with the thought that he's going to be their special teams ace. They'd like for him to contribute in the actual base or sub package defense. So it's kind of a yes and a no. But. No, I don't think they go out and look for special teams unless they're taking a specialist. I mean, I mean, I mean that's the only time I think when you can guarantee take a special teams player.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Now the other talking point that we wanted to get to today is something you texted me as well. And this is a tough question in my opinion. It is where can the Steelers 2020 defense improve? I think we're all going to admit that it's a pretty elite group. It's a group that has high expectations put on it heading into the new season. Lance, if if you were someone that is going to pinpoint one area where this team can get better, it used to be the same adage. It used to always be turnovers. They need to create more turnovers. So they led the NFL in turnovers last year. So we really can't go that way. Where do you think this defense can improve heading into next season?
1: And luckily I've done a a chart for this. And let me just say this, and I'm probably going to piss off folks. Like, Like you've ever
0: shied away from that. (laughs) Like, like I'm probably going
1: to piss off folks. That team up north, the one that no longer has the alleged GOAT, had the best defense in the National Football League last year. I think by far that defense was elite. They were elite passing defense, they were elite at creating turnovers. They were an elite defense. They did not go far in the playoffs. They got beat in the first round, but I think that defense was elite. I think the Steelers' defense is in the same conversation with that defense. I'm talking about the Patriots, that team up north. You're not, if you're unfamiliar with the show, I hate to say the Patriots, but I'm talking about that team up north who used yeah. to have Tom Brady, who's now going to be a buck and he's going to get bucked when he's playing for the Bucks. But anyway, I think it's NFL teams' opponents' passing yards or touchdowns per game. The Steelers ranked 14th. They gave up about one and a half touchdown passes per game. Now, if you look at that compared to some other defenses that I think were really good, so I think New England was really good on defense. Like I said, the best defense. Buffalo, so New England ranked one in that category. Buffalo was two. Baltimore, three. Chicago, four. Green Bay, five. Seattle, six. Denver, seven. Carolina 8, Dallas 9, the Chargers 10, Kansas City 11, Jacksonville, Minnesota. Then you had the Steelers. The Steelers were middle of the road in terms of giving up touchdown passes per game. And I found that stat really surprising because I think the strength of this defense is their secondary. Now, 1.4 isn't a ton, but when you're talking about a defense that is as good as it is, and you're looking for small areas of improvement, I think that's a small area of improvement. Now, if you compare that number to the worst defense in football, Miami gave up two and a half touchdown passes per game. So it's not like teams are giving up four or five on average, but I still think that's a room for improvement for this defense is the number of touchdown passes, or the average number of t- the touchdown passes that they give up per game.
0: You have their team stats, defense stats in front of you right now?
1: I have a couple of them, probably not all of them. Give me give me one that the you one, want me to.
0: The one area that I was looking at was, was uh, rushing yards per game and yards per carry surrendered on average. I guess when I think back to those early 2000 defenses, and that's as close to dominant as I've seen a Steelers defense in my lifetime. I was not alive for the 70s Steelers, the steel curtain that just completely dominated. But for some reason, I feel like if they were, they could do a better job suffocating the run. And especially in a division with, we've talked about it before, maybe some of the best, the best ball carriers in the NFL with Lamar Jackson, Ingram, obviously they got JK Dobbins. Um, You also have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt up in Cleveland, uh, Mixon in Cincinnati. Um, it's, It's a situation where I'm not sure if the numbers really match up with my perception. And that, that could definitely be the case. But when I think back to those elite 2000s defenses, they were a team that never gave up 100 yards rushing. They, If you're going to beat us, it's going to be on our terms. We're going to dictate what you do. And that's when I think about elite defenses, that's what I think of. And I'm not sure that, at least in 2019, that they had that type of defense. you have those numbers, Lance, by chance?
1: So the opponents rushing yards per game against the Steelers defense, the Steelers were 14th. They gave up 109.6 per game. And in their last three games, they gave up 146 per game. Nice. And to your point, I think you saw how Baltimore ran the ball against them in the last game of the season and Baltimore pretty much had their way on the ground against the Steelers defense.
0: Yeah. And when I think about this defense and, and where are where's their strength, you just said it, secondary is one, absolutely. Pass rush is the other. If they can, a, a team like Baltimore, which let's be honest, they're now the, the litmus test in the AFC North. They won it the last two years. They were the number one seed heading into the playoffs. I mean, that's natural. That's not anything that's, that's not a cut on the Steelers. That's just fact. If you can force third and longs on that team, you got them where you want them. You know what I mean? And so being able to stifle, stifle the run on early downs and not give, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's Joe Burrow, whether it's Lamar Jackson, not giving them third and manageables is huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's enormous. And that's when the defense can pin their ears back. Cam Hayward, Stephon Tua, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, and they can wreak havoc in the backfield. That's where I feel if I'm answering the question that you pose, how can the Steelers defense get better? Stymie the run more. Stop the run. Make teams beat you on your terms, not the other way around.
1: Here's an interesting point, and maybe we should punt this topic more so so the Oracle and the Stat Geek next week, hint, hint, punt, punt, (laughs) can delve into this a little deeper. Here's an interesting thing. Although they were 14th in the yards per game stat, they were third in yards per rush attempt at 3.8. And I think that speaks to how good they were as a secondary and how good they were in terms of pass rush, because you might want to pick your poison with that defense by running the ball a lot, as opposed to, um, you know, trying to air it out and put your, put your offense at risk of getting the ball intercepted and, or your quarterback gets sacked. So, The rushing yards might be a little bit artificial just because the rushing attempts are really high. And I can give you the rushing attempts per game against the defense and teams ran it 28.9 times against the Steelers or turning the ball over. So teams ran it a lot against the Steelers. So it'd be interesting to see if the Oracle wants to dive
0: into that as we punt the football (laughs) or stat geek to the Oracle. Well, this is, this is all a part of football being the ultimate team game. Robert said it, and I was going to add this to it, but I'll put his on his message on the screen here. He said, our defense can get better by our offense, keeping the ball longer, not just keeping the ball longer, Robert, but scoring touchdowns. You go against a team like Baltimore, who just loves to run the ball so much in a, in a variety of ways, including with their quarterback. If, You are up by 14 points. You no longer have the option of just running the ball at will. You're going to have to put the ball in the air to get back. That's what they missed in 2019. Those 2000 defenses, maybe even 2008.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, They had a a fantastic run of defense from about 2008 to probably around 2012. I mean, they played some great football. So eight takes you to the championship. Ten takes you to the loss against the Packers in the yeah. Super Bowl. And 12 takes you a couple years past that. So you still had a blend of Tomlin guys and Coward guys on that defense. They played some really good defense. But like I've said it before on the show, I think this defense is or you know, this secondary is definitely the best secondary they've had since 08. I think it's actually the best secondary they've had under Tomlin. And because of that and because of the sack numbers that they get they get every year you know, three straight years of 50-plus sacks. Yes, this defense is probably one of the best that they've had since 08, and I think it's an elite defense, and I just think there's a couple of small things that they can improve. But to your point, Jeff, points are more important than time in yeah. football in terms of protecting your defense. You get up 14 nothing, and I don't care if it takes you one play. You know, you have two one-play drives, and they're both bombs, and you get up 14 Well, you get up 14 against the Ravens. Just look at that playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. You get up on the Ravens in the first quarter, and now you got to put pressure on Lamar Jackson. I have to sling it 45 times. All of a sudden, the team's one-dimensional. So, And I think that's always been a tug and pull between the importance of time and possession and points. Give me points. Give your defense a lead to sit on, and your defense will flourish. Imagine this defense playing with leads. Consistently, you're talking 60 sacks.
0: Well, imagine the 2019 defense with the 2018 red zone offense. And I know that's tough to say based on the fact that, you know, in 2018, you had different personnel on the field and stuff like that. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown. But if you were to have that red zone offense, gosh, you just cannot stress the importance of a touchdown versus a field goal. I mean, 14 nothing to six to nothing is massive. Uh, It's a one score game to a two score game. Just think about San Francisco last year, week three, Pittsburgh goes to San Francisco. They get five turnovers and they cannot convert touchdowns. It's just field goal fest, field goal fest. And yes, we've all seen the Steelers win with six Chris Boswell field goals, but that should not be the norm and that should not be the expectation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm laughing at what's the B word five to <laughs> <eat> that Ravens. <laughs> Dude, you came to a Steelers podcast. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I, I hope he's, he's getting people fired up. That's great. In there. yeah, I mean, In that scenario, with the 2018 red zone offense and that defense last year, that's a Super Bowl team. Yeah. I mean, flat out, like with Ben Roethlisberger on that team last year, that team is going to compete for the division title. I mean, we saw how close the game was, you know, in Pittsburgh before Juju Smith-Schuster got uh, the ball punched out, and that's the bad thing with turnovers and the perception of turnovers. Juju's fumble And i think we've talked about it twice in his career. He fumbled against the Saints, and he fumbled against the and he fumbled against the Ravens. And the perception of Juju as a football player—I don't think it's completely flipped, but let's just say the quarter or the coin—it's on its side. Yeah, and depending how Juju plays really early in the season, it could flip either way heads or tails, because Steeler Nation is a fickle set of fans.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, Dave, Dave Scofield, I'll give him credit. He wrote an article, it was maybe a couple months ago, uh, well before the draft, was really on the horizon. And it was all about how Juju Smith-Schuster has this label of a chronic fumbler. He, he's not. He just has fumbled into really, really, really bad, bad spots. You know? Really. And Quality and quantity do weigh in, in this topic because you fumble in bad spots. It turns the tide in the game. We've seen that both in new Orleans and we saw it obviously at Heinz field against Baltimore in week five last year. But you know, I think the Juju Smith Schuster is a player that is beloved by the fan base. But like you said, it's a fickle. They're, they're a fickle mistress. They, they don't, care it's what have you done for me lately so yeah you got your bike stolen yes you're funny yes you're very active on social media and yes you do really good work in the community but it doesn't mean squat if you don't produce period hey man
1: steeler nation football fans in general we like assholes to score touchdowns <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey! I mean, I, I just want to keep. We it We didn't 100. cheer for
0: Antonio Brown for all those years. So, Yeah, yes, yeah. you are right.
1: <laughs> I mean, come on, man! Let's just keep it one hundred. I mean, it, I mean, it just is well, what it is.
0: Let's let's end the show on this topic because what's the what's the B word fifty two? Who's another YouTuber? He said, and he's 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 all good. He's fine. He's a good guy. Seems like he just sparks my mind. Did you happen to see? Antonio Brown released a photo of himself in a Ravens uniform. There's talk because he's trained with his cousin Marquise and Lamar Jackson down in Florida. What would your reaction be if Mr. Antonio Brown went to Baltimore?
1: I'd, I'd love it because it'd be a, a fantastic opportunity for the Steelers to really knock him out numerous times per year. It'd be awesome. I
0: thought you were – I thought you were going to sell out. I thought you were going to sell out and say, man, that would be a great podcast. We get great numbers. I'm like, oh my gosh, he is completely sold out. Yeah, Go ahead. ahead. I would just love to see him get, you know, I'm
1: not a proponent of violence all the time, but sometimes. And um, him getting knocked out. I mean, I would, I mean, look, I come from an era in the seventies where, you know, if the Steelers didn't win, they could win the fight. And so, Um, you know, I mean, I I have a dad that would say, you know, sometimes you got to take a 15 yard penalty. Sometimes you got to take one to make a statement. And, uh, I hope he would run a shallow cross. I I would love that he run a shallow cross and run into that, uh, linebacker on the opposite side and he get torn up. I, I think the Steelers would absolutely try to tear a B up Mr. Third and fifth, Mr. Gummy Richards. I think Tomlin would, would have them on fire. Trying to tear him up um, yeah, on that Sunday. And it would be great to see.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those situations where people need to remember number one, first and first and foremost, is that wherever he goes, whoever he signs with, if he ever signs with someone, you cannot expect him to be on a roster anytime soon. He will most likely go on to a the commissioner's exempt list. Until his off-field litigation is resolved, and it's not resolved, it's not even close to resolved. So if Baltimore wants to sign this guy and bring that distraction to their their headquarters, then by all means, go. Have they're not fun. Do that. He, they're, they're not
1: going to do that. He's old. I mean, he hasn't played football for a ton of time. Like, nah. That's that, that. He Gummy Richards not coming back. But yes, like Jesse Robinson said, statement hits. I love that. The hashtag statement hits. Okay. You you want to catch it over the middle? Yes, sir.
0: I'll take that fine. You talk. Yeah. You take the. Do you think Juju Smith-Schuster regrets the hit on Vontez? Perfect? Absolutely not. Hell no, he doesn't. You know, they they <laughs> love
1: Juju. They love Juju when Juju came in the locker. I mean, look, they, they was like, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. They
0: were yelling yeah, they karma. Did. They were yelling karma, physically yelling karma. karma. They were? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Antonio wow. Brown was.
1: Oh, love it. Oh, love it. I mean, that's how you endear yourself to your teammates. I mean, I think the thing we forget at times is football, it's a hell of a physical game. I mean, these are grown men out here that try to make physical statements on every single play. Yeah. And trust me, oh, Tomlin will have them try. He won't Greg Robinson him, if you guys don't remember Greg Robinson when he was defensive coordinator of the Saints, Bounty Gate. You know, Tomlin won't Greg Robinson him. He'll probably do everything about as close to that if that opportunity is there.
0: But you, you, you tell your guys simple, hey, you get a shot, take it. You get a shot, take it. I just think that a guy like Antonio Brown, and and I, I'm going to go out on a, leg, a limb here and say that I don't think he has changed. <laughs> just, I know that's a – I'm really stepping out. I'm really stepping out here. I don't think he's changed. We saw what it was like when Roethlisberger went out and he had to play with another quarterback. Now, granted, when he went to New England for a short stint there, he's playing with Tom Brady. Okay, so that's the One TV pass. Yes, but yeah. when he had to play with guys like Landry Jones – what, what was his demeanor like? So he let's be honest. Certainly, Lamar Jackson is not considered to be the most accurate thrower of the football. Do you think that's fair, Lance, in that statement?
1: I would say it's fair that that is something he is improving on.
0: He's improving on, and I'm not going to disagree with you, but he's not considered the most accurate thrower of the ball. And what do you think Antonio Brown's reaction would be if he's deep down the field and Lamar tucks it and runs? He's going to get fed him. up. Yeah, I tell the
1: water cooler to duck and hide. (laughs) The water cooler is going to get it.
0: Yeah. So... I just think that there's a lot of Steelers fans that saw that image and they're like, oh, my gosh, please don't. There's so many layers to this. Just <laughs> calm down. I'm dude. laughing
1: at what's the B word. Say MVP. <laughs> 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 buddy. Hey, that that is
0: true. That, that, that Those are true. hashtag facts. And what did that MVP get them? One more the game than the Steelers. Last year. <laughs> facts. One more Both game. Facts.
1: Also, facts is I can say – uh, never a guy who's never won a playoff game, that's MVP, true. Lamar Jackson.
0: Facts. Facts. Facts.
1: Facts. But, yeah, Tomlin would give them the head nod. I mean, you were a coach, Jeff, a head coach when you give the guy the
0: – Yeah.
1: You give him the head nod like, hmm I'm not going to say the, it. But I'm a-
0: there, there were players on my team that I literally would be able to go up to him and say, hey, see that guy out there that's killing us? Let's take care of it. And you'd know they'd get a penalty. I knew it was coming. And they'd come off the field like hey, good job. They'll pound it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. And I hate saying that I was like that, but at the same yeah, time. Throw
1: some, it's, yeah. throw some water on him. He, yeah. Gotta throw some water on that. going to yeah. put that fire out. Okay, coach. <laughs>
0: like, I, 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 mean. I, I had guys who would say, Coach, I got you. I got you. Coach, let me go in. All right, go in. Do the job. He was normally a backup guy, anyways. He'd take it, he'd take a run, he'd get the hit, he'd get tossed or Put in the box. All right, we'll take it. We'll play man down. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put that fire yeah, like
1: yeah. I mean, that's what football is. I mean, and so if that ever came up, Antonio gonna
0: see it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right, it's been a good show. Up to topics today. It's kind of crazy. It's not like us, not on Sunday at least. But hey, here we go. Um, reminder to everyone that behindthesteelcurtain.com is our with this podcast platform is a branch off of that. So check out behind the steel for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs to give you a rundown. What's coming up this week tomorrow, Monday will be Brian, Anthony Davis and Tony Deffio for the Steelers Q and a Tuesday is Dave Schofield and big bro. Rich for the Steelers stat geek Wednesday, Lance and I will be back for the standard Is a standard Thursday, the Steeler preview Lance will be on. Yeah, I said it on Friday and Saturday will be, Tony Defio, just a reminder, if you're listening in audio platform, I'm looking at mid March, mid May, mid May, not March. Gosh, this quarantine's killing me mid May, uh, to maybe release some new, uh, to release some podcast only content early in the morning, having these run more towards the afternoon. I will keep you up to date with that, but keep your eye out some from fresh faces, some new names, but it won't be on our YouTube channel, just on audio platform. So Lance, if, unless you have anything to say, let's send this out.
1: Yeah, before I get out of here, make sure you guys check out the interview. What's the what's the gentleman's name we did the interview with Chase Claypool?
0: Michael Beck. He's gonna be one of the guys that's gonna be giving us some audio as in maybe once or twice a week coming up. So he'll be joining the plot yeah. uh, the podcast platform. It's good, it's
1: a good interview. Make sure you guys you know check out short, that. I, short, I like and that. short and sweet. And but with that, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Make sure you guys enjoy your Sunday. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.
0: Amen. Everyone stay safe out there. We'll see you next Sunday for another episode of the Homer and the hater show.